Welcome back to the New England Take on WKXL. Be sure to check out nhtalkradio.com to, if you missed the first segment of the show, a uh, very interesting conversation. We're going to be moving over to uh, a completely different field. We're going to be talking about neurology a little bit and a recent uh, a journal article that was written by Dr. Nathaniel M. Robbins, an MD over at Dartmouth-Hitchcock Medical Center. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me, AJ. I really appreciate it. So you had a, uh, a study that you were that you co-authored that was published in Neurology. Can you talk about the basis for it? Yeah, sure. I'd be delighted, delighted to, and I hope. Uh, um, yeah, it's not something I think that most people associate with neurology, but I think it's really important. So I hope you and your listeners. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. Um, we did a survey, my, my co-authors and I, it's kind of a review article. We focused on how uh, racism and in particularly, uh, you know, racism towards African-Americans or black Americans uh, results in adverse neurologic outcomes. So people may not be aware, but many of them are, I suppose, that uh, black Americans have worse health outcomes, and that includes uh neurologic outcomes, in other words, much higher rates of neurologic disease, stroke, seizures, headaches, Parkinson's disease. And what we did in our paper is kind of reviewed some of that data about how they have worse health outcomes, neurologic outcomes. Um, And we discussed race and racism and the history of those and how that contributes towards these worse health outcomes. Uh, We then discussed why it's neurologist business to focus on these these things, why uh, structural things, systemic problems um, are neurologist business. And then we discussed things neurologists should be doing to, to uh, combat this to help improve our patient's health. Start off with, like, what was your method of collecting information with regards to this? I feel like that's very important, especially with something that's Especially, it's very much in, in in culture war discussions nowadays, for sure. All the all this entire uh, matter that's centered around this. So it's it'd be great to know what uh, actual data you brought to the table for it. Yeah. So this was a review paper. Uh, we basically collected um, research that's already been done, uh, comprehensively surveyed the. Uh, you know, the existing medical literature and put it together rather than uh, doing an original research article or research project. And what sorts of things were covered in those? I mean, are you talking about um, like decades worth of information that may have been collected? Was it some isolated surveys that were um, or or, or, um, research that was put together by by healthcare institutions or education institutions, or and how much of that is opinion versus what is uh, original research? Um, yeah, so we this was original research articles, uh, no real opinion pieces. Uh, you know, we, of course, read other people's opinions in formulating our own. But uh, now the research we surveyed was really... Um, primarily original research articles from other authors. Uh, the, the synthesis of existing research was, was a small part of our paper. That was really the first part where we surveyed racial disparities. Um, and this, you know, there hasn't really been a comprehensive survey of racial disparities in neurology, uh, although in other fields, it's pretty better documented. So what were some of the conclusions that you came to from this research that ended up in the paper? 
Sure. So uh, I'd say the main conclusions we came up with were that, um, and that I would like to impress upon everyone, I guess, is that these poor health health outcomes are found for Black Americans no matter where you look. In other words, uh, they have higher mortality from stroke, uh, poorer access to stroke care, um, you know, higher rates of, of, of traumatic brain injury, of, of migraine, poor treatment for migraine. And so that was some of the things we surveyed that's already been done. What we focused on is why this is the case. Um, I think racial disparities are pretty clear. Black Americans have worse outcomes across a wide range of diseases. But what we focused on is, is the reason behind this. Um, to do that, we talked about the history of, of race. You know, what does it mean to different races, which is not as clear as you think. Um, then we talked about racism, different kinds of racism. And then we linked it together in how racism is involved with producing these poor health outcomes. Um, and I'd say that's the main conclusion of the paper. That was one part of it, is that uh, poor health outcomes are due to systematic or structural racism, um, which I'm happy to talk more about. The second major thrust of the paper was about um, why neurologists are, are ethically obligated to focus on these upstream determinants of health. In other words, the, the root causes of poor health um, and, and how we can do that in practice. So let's start off with the concept of structural racism as it relates to this. It, it's very commonly the boogeyman that's kind of shouted out by activists and such without quite often with, without real backing with what exactly that means. So I'd, so de define how you would uh, you would put uh, structural racism in this context and what are some examples that you uh, uncovered in your research that you believe lead to these poor outcomes? Yeah, great. I'm glad uh, we have a chance to talk about that. And, you know, I kind of, you know, I'm uh, racism. I think most people think of what we call interpersonal racism and explicit interpersonal racism, which is kind of bigotry. Um, but their racism can be much subtler. Uh, for example, um, you know, there's been studies that this isn't part of our study, but just as background, where if you apply for a job and your name has a, a, an ethnic name as opposed to a white sounding name, uh, you're less likely to get interviewed. So people have either conscious or subconscious biased against people with uh, you know, non-white sounding names, non-European American sounding names. So that's one you know, example of, of uh, interpersonal racism that's subtler. Structural racism, refers to rules that are in place or systems that are in place that uh, disadvantage um, a certain race. That's a general definition. And so, you know, this used to be formalized. In other words, there were rules against lending to African-Americans um, prior to the civil rights legislation in the 60s. These days, that's illegal, but it takes other forms where there's rules in place that discriminate against uh, African Americans, as one example, although it's not unique, there's other rules or systems that discriminate against other people. So that's what structural racism means: is when there's a system. So it's not necessarily 
calling people names or something like that. It's it's really more um, systems that are in place. So in health, how that comes out is, uh, you know, African-Americans tend to live in poor neighborhoods, say next to highways where there's pollution or in areas where there's no access to uh, groceries. Um, and it turns out pollution causes stroke. It inflames your blood vessels, for example. And so that's an example where uh, a environmental factor, social factor, meaning highways were built in the 50s in over black neighborhoods and they you know, tend to live near highways, uh, increases the risk of stroke. So that's an example of structural racism or s- systemic racism. Okay. So you okay. So that's a very important way uh, aspect to this discussion in the way you handle it because racism is basically mentioned before is very broadly defined depending on the concept and we're we're trying to get down to this is specifically with regards to um, outcomes that disproportionately affect a certain population in a negative fashion is the way you're defining. It. I wouldn't necessarily personally phrase it that way, just uh, in conversation, but I think we both understand what exactly we're referring to in, in this context, for sure. Um, I, I guess my big question on this is how are you, are you trying to show a differentiation between people of other uh, racial uh, heritages and backgrounds, or was this specifically just looking at the black population of the United States? Because that that's if you look at it per capita, we're looking at the poor populations that also happen to live in the cities. These are uh, these are the the black population disproportionately lives in these situations in the United States. Just, we're not talking sociology. That's just the way it is with the numbers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, how were you guys looking at it in this paper? Was it just specifically you were trying to focus on this population, or did you offer any comparisons to other populations, especially based around poverty? Oh, uh, yeah, it's a good point that you know, uh, race and other factors like education and income kind of overlap in many ways. And um, we were specifically focused in this paper on uh, African Americans and the experience of racism. Uh, and that's not to say other groups aren't targets of discrimination. There's many other groups that are disadvantaged um, and they deserve their own papers in a way. But this is specifically focused on African-Americans. I think that's important because they uh, unique have a unique history in America. You know, there's a lot of uh, people alive today whose grandparents um, were, were slaves. And certainly a lot of people who were alive before 1960s who lived under Jim Crow laws where there was legalized discrimination in America. So the unique history of uh, black Americans differentiates it from other disadvantaged groups. So we focused on black Americans, particularly in this paper. So did you come up with any conclusions when you, when you say discrimination, any like blatant, like they're avoiding this population based on poverty or or their race specifically or was it just like an ignored population that's just underserved uh it's a uh, many many factors so you know this has been addressed before uh in a general level not specifically in neurology in other words um structural racism pervades healthcare, and some of that has to do with underlying systemic things that we talked about structural uh factors that impact poor health. But some of it's more direct. Um, Doctors 
often, you know, without meaning to, can be racist. So, for example, there's been studies that demonstrate that doctors in the emergency room do drug testing on black people much more often than white people, even though the studies suggest both uh, they use drugs at similar rates. People are uh, have a, a, a view a view incorrectly that African Americans do more drugs. So that's an example of racism, even though it's not purposeful. Um, what we call implicit bias, where people uh, actually discriminate in healthcare, you know, when treating patients. So there's actually many different levels at which uh, racism acts and uh, manifests as poor health outcomes. And we covered a lot of that. We reviewed a lot of that in the paper. Speaking specifically in the realm of neurology, which is which is your specialty, and the journal's called Neurology, which is yeah. very creative. <laughs> the I mean, what specifically did you did you come across that could be fixed for this population, and in what ways? Like, are we talking that in general? This is a population that will see a tremendous impact by just more healthcare resources being put in certain physical locations. Is it a matter of other changes in the way the healthcare industry works. I mean, it's very, very difficult ultimately to say this doctor is being racist because this and this, because I've covered lawsuits in this extensively over the years. It's, it's a very hard thing to prove and to really make a real change to. It's something that really happens over generations. So in theory, we can hope that the, the individuals that are doctors and entering the field 20 years from now can't are not even going to be able to fathom the way it was 50 years ago for doctors that may have... Uh, had explicit racism that they were that was just part of the culture at the time yeah no you're you're right um you know we're, we're making slow progress um you know i would say the important things for doctors now and neurologists now to focus on are uh one kind of recognizing the disadvantage and uh, of of um, black americans you know believe it or not there's a lot of people who um you know, feel that those poor health outcomes are due to biology or something like that and not racism. And I guess that's a point I want to expand on a little bit. Um, yeah, that'd be really good because that was mentioned in the abstract. And when I gave you a few questions ahead of time, I want to talk about is that specifically because I'm not sure in the realm of neurology if there is an ethnic if ethnicity makes an impact in neurological outcomes with the black population or other populations for that mm -hmm. matter. We hear about sickle cell anemia and some other um, diseases that are, are illnesses that occur in this population. But is there anything specific to neurology? Um, well, yeah, that's a good uh, sickle cell anemia actually does cause strokes. So that that's neurologic in a way, even though that's not the main problem. Um, yeah, I think it's important to understand that how we conceptualize race is based on these kind of large continents, we meaning American society. Mm -hmm. So there's black Americans, uh, from, you know, African Americans. There's European Americans who are white, you know, for the most part. Uh, there's Asian Americans. So those are that's how we think of race. It's kind of on large continental scales. And I think people don't realize that there's not a biologic or genetic basis to that. So in other words, uh, you know, we are made up of, uh, of a genetic code that says, uh, you know, dictates what we look like and our health. 
um, if you look at genetic variation, it's much bigger within these continental racial groups than between groups. In other words, a white person is more different on average than another white person than they are from a black person. Um, and in fact, you know, if you race is often, you know, made on the basis of external characteristics like hair color or eye color, and that really does not correlate with uh, genetic material um, well at all. So in other words, you know, an East African is, is going to be very different genetically from a West African. Uh, and and the, one might be more similar to a European than they are to each other. So race is actually a, a social construct. It's based on people's uh, experience. There are some phenotypic, uh, you know, meaning a hair color, eye color that we use to define race, but it doesn't correlate with genes. In other words, another way to put it, you know, there's plenty of black Americans who identify as African-American, but their ancestry is 98% European, if you look at their genes. Um, and this is studied, you know, well-studied and well-verified. You know, if you came up with 40 racial groups, say, West African, East African, Northern European, Southern European, you know, South Asian, East Asian, then it might more closely approximate genetics. But the way we think of race on a continental scale doesn't have biologic validity. It's okay. not. So it's jump a, in. I mean, so what would you do to describe the these differences that happen between different ethnic groups from around the world? Because there are pre predispositions to certain health health issues. Obviously, I have dark hair, blue eyes, and white skin. My my heritage is mainly Northern European. you and um in Scotland stuff like that. Like like what is, from a medical perspective would be a better way to handle it then? I think it's important to recognize that uh, race is really a proxy mostly for shared uh, environmental exposures rather than genetic exposures. In other words, on average, uh, African-Americans are more likely to have experienced adverse life circumstances. Uh, so yeah, but there, but there are examples, though, of certain diseases that are disproportionately affecting certain populations based on where their families came from over generations and generations. So I, I, I think yeah, I understand where I, you're coming from. It's kind of a deconstructionist way of looking at the way we, we look at uh, populations around the world. So how do yeah, let we me, classify? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah, if I could jump in. There are yeah. examples where certain diseases correlate with certain racial populations. And that's due to, you know, it, it's a little complex, but the genetics of like a, a founder effect or a bottleneck. For example, uh, French Canadians um, had a small population um, of founders. In other words, mm -hmm. people, it was a small population and most French Canadians are descendant from that small population. Um, and they do tend to get certain genetic diseases as a result because they're genetically related. But that's not the case for things like European Americans, African Americans. They really don't share genetic makeup within that large continental group. So thinking that, you can get in trouble. And that's a case of racism in medicine. For example, if a white person comes in in a sickle cell crisis, they don't get recognized because we think sickle cell anemia is only affects black people. Or cystic fibrosis, if a black person, that's a white person's disease. If a black person comes in with cystic fibrosis, they won't get recognized. So it's important for people to understand 
that uh, you know there's a lot of genetic mixture and race doesn't is not a perfect proxy for genetics. They're different. It's a better proxy for shared experience. That's all. It's very complex. There's many, many things. There's a lot of change in the way we think about um, patients when they come in and trying to treat. I'm assuming ultimately the goal is for people to treat patients equally when they come in to be seen for uh, various health issues they may have, especially based on the uh, close of the last segment. Yes, that's one of our goals is to help improve health outcomes for, you know, for uh, black Americans and and treat treat everyone equally. That's definitely one of the goals. Um, I think another thing point we made in the paper, though, I do want to stress is Mm -hmm. that uh, it's not really enough to kind of treat everyone equally in a way, um, which is a, a tough concept. To, to think about, and I, um, there's an analogy which I don't know who came up with this, so I apologize if I if I don't attribute it correctly. Maybe one of your listeners could let us know. But um, people have talked about a monopoly game as an analogy for uh, how to think about the experience of African Americans, where African Americans were not allowed to own property or accumulate property for hundreds of years of American history, um, and so you can think of playing monopoly, where every time you pass go, you get two hundred dollars. Well, say you went around 50 times and one guy got to accumulate property. So by the end of 50, you know, a lot of uh, 50 times around the board, they own all the property and they have a lot of money in the bank. And the other guy then, say 1964, the civil rights legislation, okay, now you get equal treatment. It's hard for that other person to catch up, in other words. Um, So people have said if you treat everyone equally, that's not really okay because you're ignoring the history of discrimination and transgressions. Um, So that's a bit of a complicated issue, but the goal is to get everyone in an equal place with good health outcomes. Doesn't necessarily involve treating everyone exactly the same though. Something we could definitely talk about for hours on and there's a lot to unpack with that. We'll we'll leave it right around there. This is a fascinating conversation. Obviously, both of us have very different opinions on the way we we perceive these things. But I think ultimately the goal is uh, to improve health care for populations that are underserved in this country, which is very, very important for these populations to be able to succeed in the future. Because if you have poor health, you're not going to be able to succeed in the professional world, your personal world, your family is going to suffer. And there's a lot of negative consequences to Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Well said, yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Nathaniel M. Robbins, MD of Dartmouth Hitchcock Medical Center. Uh, I'm going to link it to, uh, the, to the neurology uh, website in the podcast version of the show at nhtalkradio.com. Check out his article, Black Patients Matter Neurology, Race, Racism, and Race-Based Neurodisparities. Thank you so much for joining me today. This was a great conversation. Thank you so much for having me, AJ. I really appreciate it. You're listening to New England Take and WKXL. Talk to you next week.